They just came on now. Let's try to get closer to the stage. Sorry. Do you want to go on my shoulders? Yeah, that'd be unreal, thanks. Wow! Three celebrates connections made by music this summer. Find out more at 3.ie forward slash music. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and today's guest is George Ivanoff author of over 50 books for children and teenagers, including fiction and non-fiction. George is here today to talk about his latest book, Gamers Challenge. George, welcome. Thank you. Now, before we begin chatting, um, can you please just read to us a little bit from Gamers Challenge? I can certainly do that. Okay, here we go. The door smashed open and someone came shuffling out. Actually, it was more of a something. Something that had once been human but was no more. It had wide, bloodshot eyes and thin, peeling lips drawn back from blackened, rotting teeth. It drooled a foul-smelling ichor as it made a horrible, moaning sound. Lank, filthy hair hung down around its face. Its flesh was stretched tight around its skull, with strips hanging loose and flapping about as it lurched forward. You've got to be kidding me, shouted Hope. You thought about zombies? Of all the stupid, ridiculous things to... Hey, don't blame me, Zyra yelled back. You was the one who first mentioned them. More creatures came lurching out from the shop, staggering between the girls like a line of lemmings and heading down the street. In the distance, they saw someone duck out from another shop, look towards them and take off in the opposite direction. Rains! Zyra and Hope whirled back to the doorway. As the row of zombies stumbled along, one of them stepped out of line towards Zyra. It held a dismembered human arm in its hand, blood dripping from the end. It was looking straight at her. One of them is looking at me, called Zyra. It can't see you, shouted Hope over the top of the shuffling undead. She tried to calm her voice. It's just looking at the street behind you, that's all. It can't see you. It doesn't know we are here. We are not playing the game. Are you trying to convince me? Zara's voice was a bit shaky, although more controlled than Hope's. Or yourself? Rains! The zombie smiled a revolting, blackened, rotting grin and tossed an arm at Zara. It landed at her feet. Fresh brains! It moaned, reaching out towards her. Zyra unhooked the crossbow from her belt. Within seconds, it was loaded and aimed at the approaching monstrosity. Hope tried to get through the column of moving corpses, but they were part of the game, and she was not, and she could not touch them, let alone push through them. Good brains, intoned the solo zombie as it lurched towards Zyra. It can definitely see me, yelled Zyra, firing her crossbow at point-blank range. The bolt thudded into the creature's forehead right between the eyes. Blood trickled down its nose as it staggered back. Regaining its footing, it reeled forward, making a grab for Zyra. Run! yelled Hope. And I'll stop there. Seems like a good point to stop. That's great. Uh, I'm intrigued, even though I've read the book from your reading. You can tell you're an actor. Oh, (laughs) well, I've had some acting training, yes. (laughs) 
So uh, in, in that particular passage, um, you, you really get into the monsters. Are you a bit of a monster fan? I, I am. I like a good monster. I'm, I'm a huge um, huge fan of Doctor Who, and that's you know, often called the Monster of the Week show. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed um, writing some zombies into, into this book. It was a lot of fun. And I'll ask you more about Doctor Who later, but um, you've just got to tell me right up front, uh, who's your favourite Doctor Who monster? Favourite Doctor Who monster? Oh, it would probably be the Silurians, although the original versions, not the, not the versions that appeared in the new series. Excellent. All right. Um, now about the book, and, and I will ask you more about Doctor Who later because I, I do know you're a big fan. Um, the, the premise of, uh, of Gamer's Challenge, it, it's such an unusual one. Tell me how it came about. Um, well, the Gamer's Challenge is actually a sequel to, to Gamer's Quest, and Gamer's Quest um, is actually based on a short story. <laughs> so it, it all, all started with a, an anthology called Trust Me, which Paul Collins was editing, and he asked me to write a story for it. And I, um, I had no idea what to write, so I, I sat down in front of the television and started channel surfing, and I came across a documentary on the ABC about online gaming. And the documentary, well, it did two things. Uh, first of all, it, it reminded me how much I loved playing computer games as a kid uh, and as a teenager. I used to play them all the time. And not only how much I liked computer games, but how much I liked fiction based around computer games. So things like um, uh, Gillian Rubenstein's Space Demons trilogy and films like Tron and The Last Starfighter, which centered around video games quite strongly. So I thought to myself, I want to, I want to write a story that involved computer games just to rekindle that, that, uh, that interest of mine uh, when I was a kid. The other thing that, um, that the documentary did, uh, the, 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 the gamers who were interviewed, they all talked about how uh, boring and uninteresting their lives were. And then they would get all excited and talk about these amazing games they would play that were full of death and danger and destruction and, and fantasy worlds and dragons and dangers and all these sorts of different things. And, and I thought to myself, well, if, um, if people who live boring lives play games full of excitement and death and danger, what sort of games would people who live dangerous, exciting lives play? And that was the concept for the, the, for the short story, Game Plan. And the short story was published, and I thought, well, that, that was it. That was the end of that. But then at the, the launch of the book, uh, Paul Collins came up to me, and he said, um, look, Meredith really liked your story. Meredith Costain is his partner and, and also a writer in her own right. Uh, and he said she really liked the, liked the story, and she thought it would make the good basis of a novel. Well, never one to... Uh, um, you know, bypass an opportunity. I immediately said, "Well, Paul, if if I wrote it, will you publish it?" And he, you know, backed off a little bit and said, "Oh, well, you know, I'm 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 not too sure. You know, da 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 da. You know, write an outline and and the first couple of chapters, and we'll see." So I I, I went ahead. Then I I wrote uh, an outline. I I wrote the first four or five chapters. I I sent it along to him, and um, two days later, I had a contract to write Gamers Quest. And again, when Gamers Quest was all finished and done and dusted, and uh, um, I thought that was it. I, I never expected it to be more than one standalone book, but um, you know, a year later, uh, Paul rings me up and says, "You know, it's selling quite well. Would you like to write a second one?" 
And that's how Gamers Challenge came along. It's all based around that, that whole idea that of, of how much I, I loved computer games as a, as a kid. And I, just the idea that the characters inside the game might live their own lives. Mm, fantastic, and, and and just so wonderful to um, to go the route that nonfiction often goes to to actually sell the book on you know on a chapters and uh, an outline. Uh, yes, I mean that that is very unusual for a novel. So, um, and it's a wonderful place for for an author to be in to actually to, to actually have a contract before even really starting the book in earnest. Mm. It's wonderful, and you know the same thing happened with with Gamers Challenge because he asked for a, a, a sequel. I, I had a I had the um, commitment to to publish it before I started writing it. Fantastic. Now we're waiting. I'm playing the waiting game to see if um, Gamers Challenge sells well enough for me to write the third and final book because, of course, it's already all plotted out in my mind. Yes, fantastic. And I think um, it, it... It really does leave one wondering what will I don't want to give anything away, but you know, what will happen to, to Tark and Zara. It's it's quite a yeah. an interesting thing to think about, you know, what's beyond the game. Mm. Well it's it's the next logical step, isn't it? I mean the first book Tark and Zara are in a game but they don't know it. In the second book they're in a game but now they know it and they want out. Well it just seems logical that there should be a third book where they get out of the game. And you you know, you finally find out all the things that you know, I had had that I had to work out in my own mind when I wrote the first book, as in, you know, who controlled the game, why was it there, and all of this sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm itching to actually be able to write about it now. Yes. <laughs> now, I know on one level, and um, certainly for I guess the the young adult audience that it's meant for, um, the book is just fun. It's just good fun. It's a, you know, it's a, a great read. It's hard as an adult reading it not to, um, particularly an adult with teenage children who love to play games, um, particularly video games, it's hard not to um, see parables in it, um, you know, the notion of freeing oneself from the overwhelming world of games or even the game of life. Is that reading too far, do you think? No, no look, I, I deliberately put stuff like that in. Look, things like... Uh, the, uh, I guess the uppermost in my mind when I was writing um, the first book were, were questions of reality and, and identity. I mean, they're, they're questions which are, of, uh, are always on the mind of teenagers, at least it was always on my mind when I was a teenager. You know, what sort of person would I be when I, when I grew up and, and you, know, wait, and, you know, waiting to get into the real world you know, beyond school, and 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 so those those questions of identity and reality, I think, were were very important to me as a teenager, and so I wove them into um, into the first book and certainly into the second book as well. And with the second book, I, I guess I added a level with the whole concept of freedom, because that, that mm. thing of you know being a teenager and, and waiting to be free from school, waiting to be an adult and get that perceived freedom of you know, no one telling you what you had to do and when you had to be home and all of this sort of stuff. So the whole concept of freedom was important to me as a teenager, so I wove that into the book as well, that, you know, the perceived freedom that the characters see they will gain if they get out of the game. So, yes, definitely. uh, I I certainly hope the book can be read on that level as well as just a straight action adventure. Mm. Even the notion of freeing oneself from, I guess, the character that we create for ourselves 
Um, the idea, for example, of Tark and Zyra leaving off their um, their accents. That's right. Yeah. Well, again, that's um, again the whole the whole question of identity of like, are we what we are programmed to be? Are we what we are, are taught to be by our parents and our and our teachers and the, the way we are brought up, or, or do we have some say over it? Can we be any anything we want to be? That's you know. They, again, they're questions which I think really um, concerned me as a teenager and, and, and so it seemed natural to include them in the book here. I mean, the, the wonderful thing about um, science fiction like this is that you can tackle these sort of issues in, in kind of a fun way. Mm. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yes. Did you feel, um, speaking of enjoying the aspects, um, did you feel that you, you were duty-bound as well to uh, do some research by playing a few games? Oh, yes. <laughs> that that uh, little bit of research like that certainly doesn't go astray. Um, I'm, I'm by no means a serious gamer these days. I, I, you know, I was when I was a kid. I used to, uh, and as a teenager, I used to play games all the time. Um, but you know, kind of lessened over the years. I still play a little bit, but not not to any great extent. Um, these days, if if I play computer games, I'll mo mostly I'll play them with my daughter, and it'll be you know the games that she wants to play rather than the games that I want to play. My choice is, has always been and always will be Space Invaders because I like blasting aliens. Um, but uh, you know, my, my daughter likes Fifa. Actually, her big game at the moment is Pokemon. She loves playing Pokemon on her DS. Well, enjoy it while she's young. The games get a little unpleasant as they get older, I must say. Um, and then much more complex, too. Um, I did. Ha I had a go a while back now at um, Force Unleashed, the, the Star Wars game on Wii. And at, uh, I, I, I'm too old. <laughs> I lack the coordination. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I, just, I died repeatedly very quickly. <laughs> Oh, now, speaking of recursiveness, um, do you, could you actually see your book being turned into a kind of game? Um, yes. Um, I, I would love for it to be turned into a game. Um, I think that that would be, be kind of fun to have a game where you're actually a character in a game trying to escape from the game. I think that's <laughs> a rather <laughs> intriguing concept for a game. I think so too, and even to escape the identity, so that you know you begin to shed layers and, and morph and change as we do in life. Yeah, yeah I, no, I would love it, I, but I have, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't be able to do it. I don't have the skills. I'm not a, a game designer. I'm uh, not a programmer, uh, and you know, I don't know how you get someone interested in turning a book into a game. I, I guess it needs to be, you know, an international bestseller before game companies take any notice and. Um, while, while the books are doing, you know, quite well here in Australia, they're hardly international bestsellers. So I don't know. I just have to wait and see and hope that some uh, game programmer picks up the book, reads it, and likes it. Well, you've heard it here first. So um, call George if you're interested in making a game out of his book. <laughs> now, um, uh, there's a reality TV show out now, which you probably know, uh, called The Ultimate Gamer. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but uh, do they steal your idea, do you think? <laughs> um, you know what? I, I've not actually watched it. Uh, I've I heard the name and, and, and went, oh, really? I, I don't <laughs> actually know anything about it. Mm. I'm, assuming I it's, it's, uh, I'm assuming being a reality 
show it's just a, it's kind of like a, a competition for playing computer games, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, something like that. Although they have to do things as well rather than just play. Right. But it's, it's like your book in reverse. All right. <laughs> so um, when the Ultimate Gamer himself, your Ultimate Gamer, um, came out, I immediately thought of the Wizard of Oz, particularly the pinball wizard scene. Ah, right. Um, that's interesting. That um, that never crossed my mind when I was writing it. Um, the, the whole pinball wizard scene was kind of like a tongue-in-cheek reference to Tommy, the the rock opera. Yes, of course. Um, uh, most mostly just because of the name, because I, I really liked the name. I thought, oh, pinball wizard. Well, how about we actually make him a wizard? And um, that's that's where that came from. But the ultimate gamer, the, the character was a, a, a lot of fun to write because, um, oh, I want, oh, actually, how do I talk about this without giving away the plot line? Um, the ultimate, well, the, 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 the ultimate gamer can take on any persona, any avatar that it wishes with the, within the game. So it makes him a very interesting character and I was able to do a, a lot of fun things with him. Yes, and even the notion of the, the avatar as character and the way I suppose the, that this sort of hero and villain that can use avatars to change that role, whether that role is hero or villain. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like... Uh, the, the, I mean, you know, people take on avatars in the online world all the time, um, you know, in, in environments like Second Life and, and even, you know, even on... On, on chat groups and, and stuff, but, but the, the persona that's pers that um, the persona that is portrayed in the online world is not necessarily the real persona of of the person behind the computer, and that I, I liked that concept and I wanted to play with that concept um, in the books. Mm -hmm. The 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 fact that these the characters have the ability to take on an avatar, which is not necessarily anything like what they really are, but the yes. But of course, Tark and, and Zara are what, I mean, they are, that avatar is who they are. Um, do you feel, in looking at things like Second Life, and, and I guess looking at some of the interesting questions that your books raise about life and, and, you know, how we define it, could you almost see us reaching, as Ray Kurzweil has predicted, a kind of singularity point in the future where the distinctions between humans and machines might start to blur, as they seem to in your book? Uh, look, I think it's certainly a possibility. I mean, who knows? I hope we don't. <laughs> uh, much, much as it is fun in in a book like this, I, I really, it's not the sort of world I'd want. I like mm. there being a distinction. I, I like my humanity, if you will. Um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to go into an online world where I don't know if who I'm interacting is 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 a or an artificial construct doesn't appeal to me. Really. Yes, quite I'm quite um, attached to my body as well. Mm. I mean, that, that, you know, it, again, it, it seems like you know I like playing games. I'm happy to play um, a game, but I'm not keen on you know. I like I've never been into Second Life. I've got friends who are, but I'm it just doesn't interest me. I, I, I don't want to, you know live an artificial existence in an, in an artificial world. I'm happy to, you know, go in there and play a few games and, and blast a few aliens, but 
to you know go around and get a mortgage and, and buy a house in, in Second Life and, and find a partner and, and, and go out to clubs all in this um, electronic environment on the computer doesn't appeal to me. And then there's the time management aspect. Well, there is that too. I mean, one of the reasons I, I don't play games as much as I, I used to is just simply the time factor. Um, you know, um, I've got two kids. Um, I'm a stay-at-home dad, so I look after them as well as trying to um, maintain a career as an author. And between all of that, you know, I, I barely find the time to, to, to relax with a book before bed each evening, let alone, you know, uh, hop online and play games all the time. For sure. Right. Um, I said I'd come back to Doctor Who, so, um, and, and since we're in that little lull when the end of the current series is finished, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, your Doctor Who story, Machine Time. How did that come about? Oh, that, that was a very uh, long um, lead-up time to that. It, 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 it happened in a funny way. It... There's, there's a, a, a publishing company in in England called uh, Big Finish Productions. They do a lot of the Doctor Who audio adventures. And they also uh, publish a series of books called Short Trips. Each book is a, a collection of classic Doctor Who stories, so not the new ones, dealing with the classic Doctors, on a particular theme. Now I went to a science fiction convention uh, a number of years ago, and I met uh, one of the people who wrote these books uh, and you know we got along really well and I you know dropped some comment at some point of how I envied the fact that he got to write Doctor Who and how much I would really love to do it and he said oh well you know next time there's a, a I you know get a, a call about an, uh, one of these Doctor Who anthologies I'll, I'll throw your name in to the editor and, and see what happens um, you know, and the convention convention finished, and off we went. And I thought, yeah, like he's really going to do that, and he did. I got an email from the editor saying, oh, look, you know, I, you got recommended to me. Would you like to you know, submit some ideas? Here's the thing. So I went off and uh, uh, went into a, a complete fanboy frenzy and and wrote, I think it was four four submissions, four outlines, and sent them off to him. And the editor hated them all. <laughs> I said, thanks, but no thanks. Goodbye. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, there you go. I've blown it. Um, you know, and I emailed him every now and then. said, oh, I suppose you've got a new, another Doctor Who book coming up. Da, 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 or no, never, never any interest in me writing for it. Then I looked on the big Finnish website one day and discovered that they were running a writing competition. Uh, for a Doctor Who short story, and the winner would get published in one of these short trips anthologies. I thought, that's it. I'm going to write a story, I'm going to enter it, and I'm going to win. Then I read the fine print on the competition entry, and it said you had to be an amateur writer, that uh, you couldn't be professional. So I thought, oh, damn. I thought, doesn't matter, I'll write one anyway. So I wrote a story to the theme of the competition, and I sent it in, and I said, Look, I know I'm a professional writer and, and I, I'm not allowed to enter this competition, so just consider this an unsolicited submission. The competition finished, the winner was announced, several months passed, and suddenly I get an email from the editor. In fact, the same editor who rejected the, the story ideas that I sent along um, that, that, for that other anthology. And he said, well, that was a great story. You can obviously write. 
Um, unfortunately, we don't need another story on this particular theme, but uh, look, we'd like, you to, we'd like to commission you to write a, a story for the new anthology, Defining Patterns. Would you like to do it? We're like, yes! And, and that's how it happened. Fantastic. What a wonderful story. <laughs> you went through a lot for it, though. Um, yes, but it's Doctor Who. <laughs> you know, it's, it's worth going through a lot for it. Um, unfortunately, after after all that, and then I, you know, got to um, email with the the general editor who oversaw the whole, um, you know, production of those books, and um, was talking to her about um, writing for some of the upcoming ones, uh, but their license didn't get renewed by the BBC for those mm. for the short trips books and no long no more, and I shall never get to write for one again. <laughs> <laughs> But you can still juggle it on the top of your web page. Yes, <laughs> yes I, can, I can still pay, tell people I've written one Doctor Who story. That's right, absolutely. Wonderful. Now, um, your bio says you've written over 50 books, and it's not without some envy that I um, want to ask you about your schedule and how you manage that. Well, um, the vast majority of, of the books that I've written uh, have been for the primary school education market. So we're looking at things like um, school readers, uh, uh, library reference books, uh, novelettes and stuff that um, the primary school kids are going to study in class, that sort of thing. Um, so we're not talking, you know, like 50 novels. These these books range from, you know, anywhere between, I think the shortest one I've written was 80 words for a prep school reader, you know, through to novelettes of about, you know, no more than 20,000 words. So they're all you know, fairly short books. Um, the two gamers' books are the only two novels that I've written. But uh, in in terms of um, scheduling all of that, it's just oh, it's just kind of a bit of a juggling act, really. You know, I I when when I started writing before I had kids, I used to have to have absolute silence. You know, had to be alone at my computer, no interruptions, needed, you know, a, a good length of time, needed, you know, to wait for the inspiration to hit and all of this sort of crap. Now that I've had I've had kids and they're, you know, running around all over the place and, and stuff, I've just learned to write under any circumstances. I, 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 I can write in short little bursts, even if it's just five minutes here between, and five minutes there between interruptions. I can, I can write with the house caving in around me if necessary. I've just learned to do that. Um, and so, you know, couple that with some weekend work and some, a few late nights and, you know, you just kind of get there. Fantastic. Um, now, I, I know that you've got, uh, you've got the next gamers series outlined in your head, um, but you've also got a new novel on the boil, don't you? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I thought I heard somewhere or read somewhere that you're outlining a new novel. Maybe it's that one, is it? Oh, well, um, Gamers Rebellion is the one I'm, you know, I'm waiting to write. I'm hoping that Gamers Challenge sell enough for. I mean, I've got another, I've got another couple of um, kids' books, um, shorter novelettes that I'm peddling around to publishers at the moment, trying to sell. They're they're complete and and waiting and um, you know gathering rejection slips as we speak. Um, yes, but they're, they're they're both shorter than than full novels. Sure. So um, 
Do you have a wish list? Is, I mean, aside from doing a, yet another Doctor Who story um, <laughs> in the future, is there a, a wish list of something that you you know just love to get your teeth into? Um, oh, look, there there are probably lots of things on my wish list. Yeah, top of the wish list at the moment is is, is the Gamers Challenge to sell well enough to get the third. I really, really want to write the third. Um, beyond that, I've got, uh, whenever I come up with an idea for something, I, I, I keep a notebook, so I, I, I jot down ideas. And I've got extensive notes for um, for another trilogy uh, of, of novels that I would like to do, aimed at about the same age age bracket. And also notes on another two uh, another two novels for um, uh, an older audience, for for young adult audience, you know, 14 up, that I'd like to do as well. But um, I, I always find myself in the position where, you know, I've got these ideas and I, and, I, and I want to spend time writing them, but there's no guarantee that they, they will get published. Mm. But that makes it hard. Like, as I said, I've got a couple of kids' books that I'm peddling around to publishers at the moment. You know, I've spent an awful lot of time on and effort on them, and I have been unable to get them published so far. Um, so I, I do have a tendency then when, when I've, educational publisher approaches me and says, would you like to write this series of school readers? Here's the money up front. I'll grab it and go with that rather than working on the novel that I might or might not be able to sell. There's something mm. that's done you know, to that level of, you know, well, I need to make a living out of this too. <laughs> yes, I understand. And, uh, and it's wonderful that you've been able to actually, um, you know, have buy-in with the gamers' books. Yes. Yeah, that uh, that has been. It's a very nice position to be in, having having the contract prior to writing the book. Very nice. So we're nearly out of time. Um, before we finish off, um, can I ask you to just uh, give our listeners? I know it, but can you give our listeners your website so they can come and check out your books directly, and and also listen to the theme song and some of the other really fun um, things that are up there. Okay. Yep. Um, well, my website is georgeivanoff.com.au, so it's G-E-O-R-G-E-I-V-A-N-O-F-F, no spaces, .com.au. And from there, um, if you go to the, the Gamers Books um, page, it'll take you off. There's, there's actually a, a site specifically for the Gamers Books. And up there, there are some uh, computer-animated um, book trailers, some theme music, some more stories um, based on characters from the books, uh, and yeah, um, a whole bunch of other things. Yes, excellent. It's a wonderful site. Well, thanks very much for your time today, George. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. It was delightful. And um, don't forget to join us next time for another episode when we'll be talking with Mike French, the author of The Ascent of Isaac Stewart. So thanks very much. Thank you.